1: Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Long Shots Off-Track Betting. Go to betfredsports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.
0: This is the Decibeling Podcast with Chris Sinzak and Aaron Camaro
3: it's the news you can use that's right decibel geek podcast style i am your co-anchor today my name is aaron camaro and the man that's gonna bring us all the news all the happenings the important stuff going on in this world the co-anchor of the decibel geek podcast news new noise it's chris sinzak what's going on brother
2: well, I don't know if you've heard, but I'm, I'm kind of a big deal.
3: You're a real big deal. If yes. it weren't for you, I'd have no idea what's going on in the world of rock and roll.
2: Well, and as a co-anchor, my balls are lined with rich mahogany. <laughs> <laughs> well,
3: good, because we're going to need that today.
2: Yeah, we've got some, uh, some funny stuff, some heavy stuff, some sad stuff to talk about this week, and uh, I am, I'm going to go on a rant about something, too.
3: Yeah? Okay. All right. I always love it when you go on a rant. That's something to definitely look forward to. I ran, into a, I ran into an old friend of ours at the McKay's this week, Buddy Baker. Buddy was awesome. He was the one that hooked us up at the Kiss concert that got us out of the nosebleeds and down into, the, into a box suite and how sweet it was. But I ran into him. He's like, you know what I love about your show? You, you you guys are just perfect together. Like you're always upbeat and you know, you're looking for the positive and things, and Chris, he's a curmudgeon.
2: <laughs> I can't argue.
3: It made me laugh because it was true. <laughs> yeah.
2: He's he's right, but fuck you, buddy. <laughs>
3: Love that guy.
2: Oh well yeah, we're a little bit of our good balance of or a good balance of good and evil, I think. <laughs>
3: oh yeah definitely it works it's worked for a long time no sense in changing it now i don't think we could if we wanted to nah. so i look forward to the curmudgeoning a little bit later on but before we get to all the new noise and the happenings in the world of rock and roll we got to take care of our business and you know us our number one thing the thing that makes us the most happiest in the whole world it's those sweet reviews and recommendations we've got two of them here That are pretty stellar the first one here is an apple podcast review comes to us from the great white north up in canada and it's got all five stars i thought they'd do maple leafs up there but no these are stars we like all five it's entitled lives up to the hype and it goes a little something like this i've heard about this podcast for years but never checked it out until recently it definitely lives up to the hype I've been selecting the KISS episodes. Not only are these guys knowledgeable, but they are creative and entertaining also. Thanks. And that comes from a true KISS fan, Ron Williams. Like I said, up in Canada, five stars on the Apple
2: Podcasts. Thank you so much, Ron. Appreciate it. Heck yeah. You
3: know what I was thinking? kiss Miss in July this year should be pretty damn good. We got no excuses.
2: That's true. A lot of time on our hands.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yep. So if you're a Kiss fan, you got to go back in the archives. We've done so many cool Kiss episodes and talked to so many cool people that have had a part and a hand in Kiss history. It's it blows my mind sometimes the awesome people that we talk to and we meet new people all the time. We're gonna have a special guest this Friday on our. Decibel Geek Friday Night Live live stream that we do on the YouTube. You're going to want to join us for that, especially if you're a KISS fan. We're going to have a cool special guest for that as well.
2: Yeah, that's uh, Eric Carr related and Eric Carr's car related. It's going to be really fun.
3: Right on. I'm looking forward to that. All right. I said we had one more and I meant it. And this one's a long one. So strap in. It's a Pod Chaser review and I know that because it's got pink stars. It also has five of them. I like that. This comes to us from Patrick68802, and it goes like this. Chris and Aaron kill it with witty commentary and great chemistry. Chris is a wealth of music knowledge and info. When it comes to Kiss, there is a reason Sonny Poony keeps running and won't take on Chris in a Kiss trivia showdown. Aaron, the voice is a beast of different music styles. He comes from a wrestling background, and he's just an all-around great dude. His laugh is the feature sounder on Co-Risen Fires podcast. <laughs> you should get royalties for that, Aaron. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Enough about the host? this podcast will introduce you to all types of music not just hard rock or heavy metal other bands like local H and marvelous three keep an open mind I have learned a lot from this podcast music wise decibel geek also does great interviews and does deep dives on bands decibel geek is a must listen my only complaint is we need more content from decibel geek thank you so much Chris and Aaron you guys rock decibel geek fan out
2: wow what a review
3: what a review that is stellar i love it all the stars sweet that's the kind of thing that when other people there's other rockers out there in the world fans of this kind of music that we cherish and love and and pay tribute to every single time we do an episode and there's people out there wandering around aimlessly they don't have the podcast that they need and how will they know About the Decibel Geek podcast, well, they might be surfing around and find that review and go, "Mm mm-hmm, that's the one. I saw it on Podchaser. Or they might see the one from Ron that came to us from Canada on the Apple podcast reviews and go, yeah, that sounds good. Maybe this one does live up to the hype. And then all of a sudden, guess what? We got new friends coming in. They're joining in on the Decibel Geek community on the Facebook group and getting in on the conversation. They're liking the page all that good stuff and we love it because we build the community and we keep it going because we have the power to show those on the top that rock and roll is still valuable and still viable and still important in this modern age you know it's up to us all and we band together as rockers and we wave that flag proudly and we show everybody what it's all about
2: yeah and and sonny pooney quit ducking me let's do the trivia come on
3: yeah no kidding sonny (laughs) <laughs> don't be afraid he's such a i think he should be afraid
2: <laughs> as long as we're not doing like chart positions and shit like that which is what he's that's what he usually does yeah if it's real trivia not like you know mathematical stuff i'm i'm good
3: i can tell you has the uh creator and host and question gatherer of beat the geek The toughest part about putting together those questions is finding a Chris Sinzak-worthy kiss round question and then finding one for the opponent that's worthy as that, even though Chris's knowledge is so much higher than just about everybody else he's ever faced on the show, especially when it comes to kiss.
2: It's a badge of honor, but it's also kind of pathetic.
3: (laughs) Some people would say, that dude is awesome. Other people would say...
2: Nerd, <laughs> yeah, no argument there. But
3: those are awesome reviews. If you guys want to help us out, leave us a review. A couple of great places to do it. Like I told you last time, there's a new one called Pod Knife out there. We've got Pod Chaser, which is a really cool site that also you can go on and leave reviews of all your favorite podcasts. Help other people discover their new favorite podcasts through your reviews. And of course, a sweet Facebook recommendation is probably the easiest way you're on there anyway. Leave us a quick recommendation on the Facebook, and if it's awesome, and if these reviews got all the stars, then we're definitely going to read it on the show. So, what did we do last week? It's been so long.
2: A couple of weeks ago, we did Radio socks. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys.
3: We kind of got our Decibel Geek timeline mixed up a little bit here, and it's mostly my fault. So, no, it's wholly my fault. So. <laughs>
2: We did have the discussion before, uh, and if you're a Patreon VIP, you can hear that, um, about there is going to be more content coming down the pike. We're just trying to get our ducks in a row.
3: Yeah, and so we kind of tripped up here for a minute, but we're coming back strong. I think we're working on giving you guys more content than ever. So if you guys love Decibel Geek, you're going to have a whole lot more to love. If you want to become a Decibel Geek Patreon VIP, well, you're getting some cool extra stuff over there, too. Recently we recorded a video of ourselves recording an episode. So the VIPs got that, and we're still waiting for the verdict on it, if they liked it or not. If that's something you'd be interested in getting, become a Decibel Geek VIP by going on to patreon.com, looking up Decibel Geek, choosing your level of commitment, and letting us know what you want over there, and we'll start making that happen too.
2: Yep, for real.
3: So, it's been a minute. We've kind of flip-flopped around a few things, but today we're back with new noise. But we have a thing where when we release it, when we release a new episode, the main post goes on Facebook, Decibel Geek Podcast. It also goes out on Twitter, into the Twitterverse. And people see that, and they can share it on Facebook. They can retweet it on Twitter. And what that does is it shares it with all your rock and roll friends. They come hang out with us again. The party grows a little bit more. And by doing that, we love you so much for helping us share and spread the word that we make you an honorary Geek of the Week.
2: Geeks of the Week this week are Adam Cox, Rock and Ron Runyon, Sit and Spin with Joe, Jason Worden, William Douglas, Kristen Schimbeck, Matt Ashcraft, Pantheon Podcast, Kevin Williams, Mark Alden-Taylor, Freeform Rock Podcast, Mark and Jerry BS Sessions, Shay Hargett, The Bakery Podcast, Aaron Baker, Matt Porter, The Kiss Room, Jeffrey Mendenhall, Simon Cat, Mike Parnell, Chuck Gee from 8-Ball, Shane Aber, David Glenn, 8-Ball. Doug Fox, Sean Cullen, Jay Shabluski, Hakon Bergstad, JJ McElhenny, Kevin's on fire, Eladio, Gregory Muse, Focus on Metal podcast, Vet Halen, Keith Rockford, Chad Leesner, Ernesto Aguiar, Grayson Gallegos, David Kathy, Scott Crouch, and as always, the, the Mooger Fooger. Fooger.
3: Yes, those are our people, our geeks of the week. They are so because they shared and retweeted. You can hear your name at the top of the show next week if you share this week's episode.
2: Of new noise, yeah, simple, easy, fun. So, are we ready to get into the news?
3: Lay it on me, man. What have I been missing out on?
2: Oh man, well, we can't uh, avoid the biggest story over the past week or so. Um, Taylor Hawkins from the Foo Fighters passed away, really, uh, really young, fifty years old. Uh, this gonna be one of those that sticks with a lot of people for a long time. Um, I, I can only imagine you were about as shocked as I was.
3: I mean, I guess I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm a fan. You know, I like, I'm. The Foo Fighters, to me, are one of those bands where they come out with an album, and there's probably three songs on that album I really dig a lot, and the rest of it I don't understand. So I could never call myself a hardcore Foo Fighters fan, but I definitely appreciate the drumming of Taylor Hawkins because of the Foo Fighters songs that I really like, he shines on those songs because those songs are a little bit heavier, a little more rocking, because when the Foo Fighters want to rock hard, they got the ability to do it, you know, and Taylor Hawkins was always a huge part of that.
2: Yeah. And I mean, it's, I I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I mean, the, the, there's some stuff I like, um, I'm probably, I wouldn't even really class myself, classify myself as a fan. I'm more of a fan of them as people. They seem like good guys and, um, they've been around for a long time and, and I, they all, especially Taylor and Dave both have a healthy appreciation for classic rock and stuff that we like. Yeah. So, um, I always kind of, related to them on that level um he had a great career even before Fighters. he was Alanis morissette's drummer and he was also with sass jordan for a while before that um but no it's it's just sad i mean it, i guess the Colombian, the columbia attorney general said they found like 10 substances including thc antidepressants and opioids in his system so um and he did have drug struggles in the past so um sure it's uh You know, it, it sounds cliche, but it's another rock and roll casualty. There's addiction is such a big part of this business and it's also, you know, it's, it's hard to, well, it's a big part of life in general. People are addicted no matter what they do for a living. So, um, but that type of lifestyle, having to travel all over the world and be gone from your family a lot, I'm sure that led to moments of him slipping into this and, uh, it's just, it's just heartbreaking. And, um, yeah, it's. It's sad. I feel mostly bad for his family and, uh, you know, his friends and his bandmates. You know, it's just awful. I do wonder, you know, where this leaves the Foo Fighters because him and Dave were so close. I I do wonder if if that's the end of the road for them.
3: Man, I don't know. I got to think. I got to think Foo Fighters go on. I mean, it may never be the same. I mean, of course, Dave Grohl has got the notoriety. He could just start releasing albums as Dave Grohl and probably do just as well as a Foo Fighters album.
2: Probably. I mean, there's. I'd say there's at least going to be quite a long break before they do anything else. Yeah.
3: That I could definitely agree on. You know, and Ted Nugent caught a lot of hell, but some of the stuff he was saying made a lot of sense. He told stories about... His bass player in the Amboy Dukes about how at 15 he was just a virtuoso, you know, just a monster on the bass and was one of the most amazing players he'd ever heard. He says by, you know, by the time he's in his early 20s, he's hooked up in heroin and he's dead, you know, and what could have been? And he talked about, you know, recording Weekend Warriors in like 78, and Bon Scott and ACDC are recording Highway to Hell. And Bon Scott would come in with a bottle of Jack Daniels or some other kind of whiskey, just hammered, you know. And he said, just nice guy, you know, super nice guy. And he'd say, why are you doing this to yourself, you know. And talked about telling Jimi Hendrix, no, you know, I don't want to do drugs with you, man. This shit's going to kill you. And on all accounts, you know, he was right. And, you know, a lot of people will say, Because he caught a lot of shit for saying that, you know, because what he was saying was, you know, here's a guy that, you know, openly did drugs, you know, and people knew about it, and he didn't really hide it, and, you know, here he is at 50, and he's dead, you know, and that's, in a lot of ways, kind of selfish, and he talked about, like, the artistry in it, you know, and how... You know, a lot of times artists will have a song stuck in their head, you know, and if and it'll drive them crazy, you know, until they can get it out. And a lot of times doing drugs, they think will help that, you know, help them be able to get what's in their brain into reality, you know. And he says, you know, it, it was never for him because he was just around people. Probably that kid he was in Amboy Dukes with, you know, saw him doing heroin and it killed him. In his twenties, you know, and it probably made him go. You know what? I ain't fucking around with none of that stuff, you know.
2: Yeah, and i i I thought, you know, I disagree with Ted on a lot of stuff, but I thought he was being unfair, unfairly bashed uh, over what he said about Taylor. I, I, to me, it seemed like he was kind of paying tribute to him, but he was also highlighting of how fucking sad is this that somebody with that much talent and and everything, you know, fell victim to this stuff. I don't think he was saying you know like the selfish part maybe that one that kind of rode me a little bit the wrong way but at the same time it's it's one of those things where it's just sad as fuck that somebody with that much talent that much going for them falls victim to this stuff and i i think he was coming from a genuine good place with what he said but i think also think. At this point, no matter what Ted Nugent says, people are going to take pot shots at him. So, that's ex- Ted Nugent could say the sky's blue and people would start bitching that it's green.
3: Yeah, they, they said it was hate speech. No, I read it and was like, wow, I don't know. He's got a unique point of view for sure because he's one of the few rock stars that never have partied. You know, that's why, you know, when he or Gene Simmons says something about doing drugs or alcohol it's hard for, you know, most average people to really understand that because most average people have not ever not touched drugs in their entire life or never have had a drink of alcohol in their entire life. So that's kind of a hard thing to relate to,
2: you know? Well, I mean, everybody's got their own perspective on stuff. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I read what Ted said and I was like, no, that I mean, I can't really disagree with anything, and how unfeeling. I'm like, it it sounded like he was pretty compassionate to me in what he said.
3: Yeah, and he said he loved the guy, so he must have known him.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I'm not... I'm not going to go on a crusade to defend Ted Nugent. That's a bad idea. But yeah,
3: that's not a good idea.
2: Um, uh, just because there's plenty of other things I don't like with him. But uh, but no, I just it's a sad situation, and you know the outpouring of love and tributes to him was was nice to see. And um, but yeah, this fucking the drug addiction stuff, man. I just wish it would go away. It's awful.
3: Yeah, I mean that's it's one of those things. I mean, 50. When you say it, you know, you dead at 50. That's young. You know, very young. But if you think about it in terms of like doing opiates, that's kind of old. You know, you shouldn't be doing that death drugs at 50 years old. I don't think, you
2: know, that's a pretty, it's a dangerous game to play.
3: I mean, here's a funny story, you know, and this is something I'm not going to, you know, when we went to Florida, we seen all kinds of different people, met new friends, seen a bunch of old friends, and I'm not going to give no details to give nothing away. But at one point, Chris and I we're offered a little bit of cocaine and we looked at each other and we both looked and you know nicely said you know we appreciate that but no thanks and i thought you know what i've never turned down cocaine before <laughs> i've been away from it for so long that it's never been in my circle where i've ever had to turn it down but it was funny that when it finally is available we so quickly turn it down you know because everybody knows the story type of of Kevin Dubrow, you know? Yeah. Off the cocaine for years, one night decides to party, dead. You know, I always think about the professional wrestler Mr. Perfect. You know, partied hard when he was young, as a lot of us probably did. Gets to be a little bit older, decides, well, I mean, I used to do that all the time. I could try that again one night. Well, one night's gonna party. What? What's the problem with that? Dead. Yeah. Don't do death drugs when you're so close to death anyway. When you're halfway there, it's time to give that shit up, I think.
2: Probably. Yeah. So uh to turn the page on the next story, this is other big news over the last, you know, week or so. Skid Row has yet again another new lead singer. <laughs> this is uh this is like their fifth singer, isn't it?
3: Yeah, maybe. Maybe more than
2: that, I'm not sure. And um it's getting a lot of attention. I mean, I, I, you know, they've already released a single with him. Uh, have you checked this out yet? I have.
3: I dig it. I like it. Yep. I think the dude's a great fit for the band. I think it's going to kind of throw them back to a simpler time of style. Like the song reminds me of something you might have heard off the first album.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's, a little, it's definitely more reminiscent of that album than Slave.
3: Yeah, it's got kind of that vibe to it where it's a little bit poppy, but it's still Skid Row, so it still rocks. But I was looking forward to Worldwide Rebellion Part 3, so what's the deal with that? Is that just going to be another one of those, you know, like a Mick Mars album? They just re- record it but never release it?
2: I have no idea. That That whole story behind that record is so weird, and then, you know, it seemed like that ZP guy was the right guy for them for a long time, and then out of nowhere he's gone and now this guy's here this eric granwall who was a uh he was on swedish idol the swedish version of american idol and then was the singer for the band heat for several albums
3: that was a good band
2: yeah and they they're still a good band they got a new guys singing for them and they still sound good um but no it's like the i get all i can figure with zp was maybe they got in the studio with the guy and it just wasn't gonna work
3: yeah could have been something where they had a different vision for. I mean, what? That guy came from Dragon Force? Yeah. See, those Dra- Dragon Force and Skid Row aren't really two bands you kind of put on that same level. You know, maybe it wasn't a good match when it came time to creating new music.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, Dragon Force, I always consider more of a power metal band. So, um, different world than. Skid Row, although you know Skid Row's changed a lot over the years, but I tell you what, I listened to um the last, the United World Rebellion, the last one they did, and I would like to hear this new guy sing on those songs because material-wise, I thought it fit in with the old stuff. So, you're
3: talking I, about the ones they came out with Solinger before he passed away.
2: I, I guess it was Solinger who did those, right?
3: Yeah. So part one and part two were Solinger.
2: Yeah, I listened to the whatever the the newest one was. I guess that was part two, and I listened to the music and I'm like, yeah, this sounds like old school Skid Row, uh, more slave to the grind era. But I don't know. I mean, we'll hear more from from them later in the year, but uh, I don't know. I I'm happy for them, and it's just it just still cracks me up that all these people jump in with, oh, get Bach back. I'm like,
3: yeah, yeah. I think we talked about that a little bit on the last Friday Night Live we did, and yeah, you know it's. Nobody wants to hang out with Sebastian Bach. Not Skid Row and most not anybody else. But i tell you this, Sebastian Bach puts out great albums on his own, you know? So you get kind of double the pleasure. I mean, this makes me happy because it means new music from Skid Row. And I think that's the coolest thing about it was, hey, new singer, bam, new song, big news, new album coming out later in the year. That's fantastic because as a Skid Row fan, I've been waiting a long, long time since the last album they came out with, which was all them years ago when Johnny Solinger was their singer, and he was still alive. God rest his soul because he, I'm telling you, that the Johnny Solinger era Skid Row is highly underrated. That guy put out some great songs with that band. And then he's gone, and they got the new guy, and you're thinking, okay, cool, they're working on part three to this trilogy of EPs that's supposed to be like a full album. But it never happens, and you wait, and you wait, and you wait. And so the fact that they got new music coming out, I'm cool with the whole situation. Sebastian Bach, he can keep putting out albums on his own. If you like Skid Row, you like the classic stuff, you should be even happier because that way you can get both.
2: All right, so now on to, uh, boy, here's where I'm going to have a rant. Uh, <laughs> not so much over the story I'm going to share, but moreover, why this whole situation is happening in the first place. So everybody knows I'm like the one of the two hosts here who is a bit of a Bon Jovi fan, or at least pre, you know, 10 years ago. That's true. Yeah. And I, you know, and really until about 10, 15 years ago, they were still able to kind of bring it live. And, but over the last few years, you know, John Bon Jovi's voice has really gone down the shitter. And, um, they just kicked off their newest tour, and, uh well, the the review I'm, that I'm reading off of is from St. Paul, which I guess was the second night of the tour. I think Omaha was the first night. And even when you've got reviewers actually calling this out, then that's a problem. The headline is, John Bon Jovi's pained vocals were living on a prayer at St. Paul concert. Yeesh. That's not good when that's the headline. No. And, um... Part of the part of the, uh, part of the uh, review says he's never been a particularly technical singer, and his voice has lost some power over the past decade. But Bon Jovi didn't just miss a note here or there; he struggled throughout the two-hour-plus show. Nothing from his past suggested such a sudden decline was coming. Well, actually, I would say I could tell that was coming. Uh, then it says he wasn't just butchering the older stuff, which the band now plays in a lower key. But the fresh material as well And weirdly enough, at times it sounded like he was trying and failing to emulate Axl Rose in his prime Wow Qu- Quite frankly, it felt like he had forgotten how to sing Now let's take a listen to the the. This is the first night of the tour in Omaha So this is when your voice should be pretty damn strong, right? We're just going to listen to the beginning of uh, You Give Love a Bad Name And then I have a few thoughts on this So here we go Think that makes the point. Wow. That um, wow. that's brutal.
3: Yeah, that's pretty bad.
2: That's uh that's worse than what Don Dawkins sounds like today, I think. but just saying something.
3: That's pretty close. You know, you could have a, like a contest with uh, Joe Elliott, John Bon Jovi, Paul Stanley, you know, all these guys that are getting up there in Asia are still still pushing it, man.
2: Well well you can't put you can't put Paul Stanley in that argument. I mean, he sounds the same every single night. Oh, wait, never mind. Um, Well, there's a reason for that. Uh, But that now you get into the point where I got some people saying, well, at least he's doing it live and he's not miming like Paul Stanley is to a track. And I'm like, well, that's one argument. And then there's another argument of, God, I'd rather hear him lip sync than hear this. Well, how about neither of these options? You know... Everybody loves to give Gene Simmons shit for saying the whole rock is dead thing. Do you know whose fault all this is with Bon Jovi being out here and Joe Elliott sounding bad? You know whose fault it is? Uh Kiss? It's our fault. Oh, it's our fault. <laughs> it's music fans everywhere's fault.
3: Well, you know, you got a damn good point there because if you look at the video, the place is packed. It's packed. The people are going nuts. They don't care. It doesn't bother them in the least. They're singing along, and when the show's over, they're going to go out to the parking lot and be like, that was awesome. Bon Jovi rules. It doesn't even look like it's half the original members. No. And Bon Jovi sounds like hell. But they're all going nuts.
2: This is what happens when the vast majority of music fans stop listening to new stuff and stop looking for new bands to get into. Yeah, this is the death knell of that generation. And I i mean, I can't blame Bon Jovi and Kiss and Def Leppard for going out because there's millions of dollars to be made. But like, if you think back, if you think back to when we were teens and our parents were like, oh, wow, you know, Frankie Valli and the Four Seasons are playing, you know, the bingo hall down the street. You know, they'd see shows, a lot of the older acts would be playing small venues because we were the young people, the next generation. We were buying tickets to see up and coming bands that could still do it. And you don't have that anymore because newer bands are getting ignored completely. And it's not just the music fans' fault, it's radio's fault. It's, I mean, there is no push for new material and I'll tell you something we're we're walking a tightrope here with the death of rock and roll because if you've got Bon Jovi who can't even hold a note anymore selling out arenas what's going to happen in 10 years
3: yeah when he physically can't do it anymore I mean at some point uh, is it become everything is Kiss 2.0 it's Bon Jovi 2.0 it's Def Leppard 2.0 Motley Crue 2.0 Is it holograms? Is it, do people care if it's holograms in the future? We don't care if it's holograms. We just want to have a Motley Crue experience.
2: Right. And that's all people want is nostalgia now. And it's like, but there's so many good bands that have that same spirit and style that are doing original material that you're ignoring. And then cover bands go, and I love me some cover bands, but there's cover bands and tribute bands that are going out and cleaning up because that's all people want is fucking nostalgia. You know, and you got holographs and shit. Come on, man. I mean, I don't know, though. You know, it's just like, go out and make your millions Bon Jovi. But, like, if people want to point the finger at anybody, point it back at yourself.
3: Yeah, it's hard to disagree with that because it makes sense. Because, like I said, the place is packed. People are nuts. They're singing. They're having a great time. There's most people in that audience are not going, this sucks. There's probably a couple out there that came to hear some music. And go, God, you know this guy just ain't got it no more. But it seems like to me, for the most part, everybody's singing along and having a great time and enjoying the Bon Jovi experience. So, at that point, somewhere down the line, it doesn't have to be Bon Jovi. It can be, like you said, a hologram or something. And then, where does that leave new bands?
2: It it leaves them screwed. And like, and it's like talent isn't even appreciated anymore. If we don't, people don't give a fuck about talent anymore.
3: No, it's about what the brand it's about the name it's about seeing him up on stage you know there he is i seen him i got a video of him and i took a picture of him with my phone
2: yeah it's depressing
3: it's like seeing an old retired football player or something but this guy is still out on the field what the hell is he doing out there
2: I just, I just, I don't understand it. And like, you know, like, you know, and I run Rockin' Pod, but like, and I love that nostalgia brings people into that because they want to meet people they grew up listening to. That's fine to do meet and greets and stuff like that. See them on stage, do a panel, whatever. But if I don't know, like to me, like there are so many artists that are still playing arenas that I grew up listening to, but like, it's going to break my heart if I go see them live and I'm not going to go see them live, you know?
3: That was our whole dilemma with going and seeing Kiss that time, that that last time.
2: And I had fun hanging out with you and Buddy and some people, but the concert was the least interesting part of it of that night for me. Um,
3: but again, I kind of agree with that too, because I was more, I mean, yeah, it was fun because it's those songs, you know, and it's part of your life and you've heard them a million times, you know, and you love them. It's those songs, you know, so you're always going to be tapping your toe a little bit, but... It was more about the effects and the show and everything at that point, so that's if it was that way for me, then clearly it was that way for everybody. Hey, these are good songs, but wow, look at the lights, look at the lasers, look at the you know all the other stuff. this is a kiss concert.
2: it was a lot of nice window dressing, but the thing I always remember kind of feeling a high walking out of a kiss show, and I didn't feel that for that one no uh uh-uh, uh definitely no, and i but then. Same year, we both went to see Ace, and I did feel that way walking out of the Ace show. Totally did. So I'll take, you know, I'll take the warts and all approach, but when the warts and all are Bon Jovi at Omaha, uh uh. Uh, But no, I just, uh, sorry to rail about this, but it just irritates the shit out of me. And you love Bon Jovi. Well, like I said, pre 2005, maybe, but, um, but no, I just, it's so stupid. And like, and people are, just are just brain dead it's like a, they want to say that they went to see bon jovi in an arena who gives a fuck how he sounds and it's like really It's like music is so disposable these days and
3: like you say you know bon jovi's not going to turn it down hey they want to hear you sing really they want to hear me sing i can't sing i gave that up years ago no they want it okay how much are you paying this much i'm there
2: And the stadium tour, the two headliners are Motley Crue and Def Leppard, two bands that have singers that can't sing anymore.
3: And nobody cares because they're just going to go, hey, I went and seen Motley Crue and I took a picture and made a video on my phone.
2: Yeah, honestly, I think Poison's the best band on that bill as far as live show goes.
3: I suppose as far as, yeah, how they held up.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, you know what you're getting with Poison. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not going to be a dream theater show for technique or anything, but it's going to be fun, you know.
3: Well, no, and Brett Michaels was never like a, uh, a, I don't know, I guess Bon Jovi sang in a higher register and Vince Neil sang in a higher register. And Joe Elliott definitely, you know, I think uh, Brett Michaels was the smart one, you know. Made just as much money and didn't kill his voice and still can get out there and sing because... You know he's not hitting falsettos and shit.
2: Yeah, so I'd you know I still have people. Go, oh, you're going to go see Motley Crue? Oh, fuck no, <laughs> no. I'm going
3: to see Poison.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'll go watch Joan Jett and Poison and leave.
3: I wish it, I wish it could be a Poison headlining tour. I'd like to see Poison like I seen them back in the day where they were the main band and they could play a long time and pick and choose a lot of stuff that you don't hear in the quick opening poison sets you know that's what i kind of miss because those guys can still do it when they're done with this thing they should go headline themselves a tour find them a couple of good young bands good rock bands that are young and hungry to take with them because if people go hey we want to go see poison they might go holy shit we saw this new band you know whether it be like Dawn of the Rising or any of these other countless new bands that we're constantly telling you about and, you know, get some young blood out there and get some people maybe to help them, you know, that's, that can kind of fall back on some of these stars that are on the twilight, you know, they should be doing their part to help continue rock by bringing out young bands the way bands like Kiss and they, like Kiss did, you know, they take out the young acts and let them be witnessed by their audience, and next thing you know, they're a huge thing. You don't get that anymore either.
2: But it's more fun when they bring a painter out.
3: Ha <laughs> ha! The painter.
2: Fucking ridiculous.
3: <laughs> if it weren't for uh, that painter, Buddy Baker would have never found us.
2: That's true. <laughs> yeah, gave us a break. We would have been wandering around outside.
0: <laughs>
3: I
2: was like, "All right, we've seen enough of this. Let's walk." <laughs> Yeah, it's not fun to watch some guy do a painting from the third upper deck. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was
3: he like did the scribbling thing and then he flipped it over and it's like, oh, it's a picture of Mick Jagger. I've seen enough. Yeah. Let's go
2: for a walk. This was just interesting to me. Vivian Campbell um talking about how bleak his salary was in Dio and you know, how he, he saved up as much money as he could to buy a Ferrari back in the eighties, but I don't know if it, I, this is something I, if we ever have, uh, Vinnie back on the show, I'd like to ask him about this because the picture that Vivian paints is kind of bad of Ronnie James Zio. Have you heard this story about, you know, the, the supposed deal they had set up when he joined the band? No. Huh? So essentially what he said, he was on Dean Del Rey's let there be talk. And I've, I've heard this, him talk about this in the past. And essentially what, what he claims is that when he joined the band or when they started the band, they Ronnie had said, told all the guys that basically this is going to be an equity deal down the line. So essentially work for free while we build the or work for basically pennies while we build the band up and get our following. And then by the third album, you'll have a piece of the band. And, but, you know, he's, you know, and Vivian says that they basically earned less than the crew did, and they got none of the t-shirt money, none of the ticket sales, none of the record sales, but they were working towards this promise that by the third album, it would be an equity situation. And then when they started working on the third album, Vivian was kind of the squeaky wheel he was going, hey, Ronnie, do you have a minute? And Ronnie kept pushing it off and pushing it off, and then they, you know, they eventually fire Vivian. Yeah. So, I'm wondering if that's really true or not. Um, if Ronnie was basically dicking them over on that, because I don't. It's only Vivian I've heard mention this. I've never seen Vinnie or Jimmy Bain say anything about this. So I wonder what what the truth is.
3: Those other guys were kind of established already. Vivian was like he was the new guy, the young hot guitar player that Dio found. You know, he didn't have no name recognition. You know, it, when it comes to the T-shirts and stuff, you know the name on the T-shirt it's Dio. The name on the album, it's Dio. You know, this whole thing was built around Dio. So I mean, you come in and you go, what do I do? You know, this deal stinks, but I get to be the guitar player for Dio. You know, and he probably had, you know, was able to get some small endorsements and stuff for himself. But I mean, there's perks to it, but then you say, no, this isn't a good deal. I'm not going to do it. And you go, okay, what if I never get an opportunity like this before? I mean, it's Dio. Right. You know, I got to imagine it's going to be one of those hard things to juggle.
2: Well, and he drags Wendy into the whole thing too, because he says, because ultimately Ronnie never told Wendy and Wendy was his estranged wife, but his manager, and therefore by default the band's manager, but she never saw it as be- it as being a band. He never explained that aspect to her she always saw Ronnie Dio kind of like Ozzy Osbourne. Right. It didn't, didn't matter who was behind him, and he said, but Ronnie should have known better the, um, the magic of that original band. That's what I had a beef with with Ronnie. He knew how good the band was, and for him to be so fearful of Wendy that he wouldn't even have the balls to tell her that, this is what I want, this is what I promised the guys, this is what we're going to do. She just kind of went, no, no, you're the star. You don't need them. Get somebody else to play guitar.
3: Right, that, that probably you know goes into her cut, if you think about it as a business thing, and I'm and not saying because obviously we weren't there. We don't know how it went down, but if it is like that, you know, it's like, oh, more money has to go out. That's less money in our pockets, you know, and I don't know. It's a sad thing if that's how it went, but I would imagine that probably happens all the time. You know, work work for free because this thing is going to be huge, and when it does get huge, that's when you're going to cash in. Oh, you're here to cash in? You're out.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't. It's an interesting thing. I, I, Vivian Campbell's somebody I would like to have on the show one of these days because I think it would be an interesting interview to to get his whole side of that thing and and I'd like to talk about to him about his time with White Snake too because that's another interesting scenario because he was also a hired gun with that band.
3: Right. Yeah. Luckily for him, he was able to take that. You know, and because then you get fired from Dio, that you're back in that same situation. Oh shit! Now what? Well, here comes White Snake, no problem, you know. And then from that, into Deaf Leopard. So the guy is, you know, basically what Dio said was kind of true. You know, you're gonna you're gonna start here. You ain't gonna make no money, but you're gonna have little perks. You know, you're gonna get to go on tour. You're the guitar player from Dio. Your name's on the albums. You're in all the magazines. When he got fired, I mean, it probably sucked for the first couple of days until he got the call about White Snake. So, I mean, it kind of did, you know, that was the equity. You built your equity in your brand and your name and who you are and your abilities to get your reputation out there. So now we cut you loose and you're on your way. And he was.
2: Yeah. But I think he was viewing it as equity as in a stake in the band. But, but I mean, honestly did, you know, and I, I love Dio, but like Dio never really went further popularity wise than he did through those first three records. So, nope, and then, Vivian winds up on one of the biggest selling albums of the 80s. Um, well, not on the album, but, you know, t- t- you know, playing in the band to support that record. And then winds up with Def Leppard. And, you know, as much as I don't like Adrenalize On, very popular stuff. So, yeah. I mean, honestly, he probably made out better in the long run.
3: Yeah, totally did. Because while his career takes off, Dio just kind of plateaus after that.
2: Yeah. And I mean, I love, but I love all that material too, especially, um, you know, like Lock Up the Wolves and stuff like that.
3: Well, if you're going material versus material, I'd definitely go with the DO.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, but mass appeal wise, I mean, Vivian wound up much bigger exposure wise. And to this day, you know. So uh, here's another interesting one. Uh, You're a Chris Jericho fan, right?
3: I am. Love Chris Jericho.
2: Well he's getting uh he's getting some heat now. Uh did a uh, interview That's with what he's w- good R- at. Yeah. Yeah, I would use a wrestling term not even realizing it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna turn heel on Jericho hey, here no, for a second. Take it easy. Uh so he he goes on W R I F and this goes kind of back to the Bon Jovi thing and admits that uh They use pre-recorded backing tracks for Fozzy shows, and uh, he says, we use those tracks for some songs, and everybody does, unless you're Guns N' Roses. Let me rephrase that. If you're in Slash's band, Guns N' Roses has backing tracks. They have a keyboard player. It's just the way of the world right now. It doesn't mean we're not singing and not playing. If you're listening to a record and you go to a Def Leppard gig, you hear Pour Some Sugar On Me, that was recorded with 25 tracks of guitars you can't just go with two guitars on stage and in your right mind think that there wasn't something building up in the background there. It's just kind of the way bands are. And then he's like, you know, queen used tracks in the seventies. If you don't believe me, watch it. And they play when they play Bohemian Rhapsody live. So, and the, actually the main person that's called Jericho out on this over the past year was Sebastian Bach. Um, He he went on Twitter and kind of, kind of ranted against Jericho saying, you know, putting links out and, I don't. To me, if he's making the argument just on backing tracks with like backing vocals or an extra guitar track, that's one thing. Right. But there's evidence out there of full-on lead singer vocal tracks that he's that he's used. Jericho. Oh yeah. Oh shit. And you—that's what Sebastian Bach pointed out too. And I don't like Sebastian. He's a—he's a prick. But I think he was right in this this thing. So
3: you're lip syncing the entire show.
2: I don't know if it's the entire show, but it's at least part of it because there's he there's video evidence of it where you know he's he's not even near the mic and you're hearing a vocal track going. Wow! So, and this is happening a lot more often these days. And this is, goes back to the argument about the Bon Jovi things. Like, what society, what musical society are we creating here?
3: I think that. This kind of thing probably has gone on for a long time, but you just don't hear about it so much back then because it was such a shameful thing, you know, to nowadays. Like you said, you see Bon Jovi up on stage, and some people would say, man, I wish he was lip syncing. This would be a lot better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, we, we had the whole dilemma of, you know, Paul Stanley talks shit about people that use backing tracks for years. And then now has to rely on his vocal support and, you know, acts like it's okay. Well, but you used to talk shit about people like that. You know, it's kind of a little hypocritical. But
2: it's a lot hypocritical. If
3: you're coming out and saying, yes, we're using backing tracks, and yes, it's because I can't sing like I used to, but people still want the kiss experience, people still want the, you know, Whatever band, Bon Jovi, whoever, experience, it's more important to, you know, look cool and be up there and be available for the pictures and give the whole experience. Now, you got a choice. Can't sing, you know, or can't carry the whole entire show. Or in some cases, maybe you're just sick that night or something. Would you rather have your favorite band cancel the show or come out and lip sync and not tell nobody?
2: Me? I'd rather him cancel the show. <laughs> That's me. I
3: don't. Well, you still I get the guitars not, and everything, you know. Uh, lead singer's not feeling good, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna lip sync tonight. How many times has that happened? Do you think?
2: But I mean, if we're gonna go this route and be a, and everybody's gonna be okay with this shit, then let's give Millie Vanilli their fucking Grammys back. I mean, this is you know what? I don't know. That's a
3: valid argument.
2: Well, but I mean, well, all the, not really though, because they didn't actually sing on the original tracks. Um Oh, was yeah. completely that's completely right. different, so that different then. Yeah. yeah it's different but it but it was a cheap joke and i wanted to get it in
3: but in well, uh, case don't ever bring up millie vanilli on this show again
2: right but no i i don't know i mean i just it's just like why how how many more concessions are we gonna make so these bands that yeah. we loved it when we were 12 can go out and tour it's like enough already yeah. let's get into newer bands and just if you can't hack it on stage get the fuck off the stage that's the way i view it
3: you know what? It's hard to argue that because that was what made our rock legend so great. They were in the studio writing these great songs, but then when they came to your town, they could get up on stage, they could deliver the goods, you know, and that right. was a, something you could be proud of about your favorite bands. I saw that concert, they killed it, you know, and you knew back then. I mean, you think about it though, like having Gary Corbett backstage behind the curtain, you know, triggering stuff, helping sing, that's got the keyboards back there, isn't that sorta of backing tracks way back?
2: To a point, and fuck you for playing devil's advocate.
3: Um, but I'm just saying it's been going on for a long time. <laughs> it has well in to, different but forms.
2: to a, only to an extent, like to for like a guitar track or a backing vocal track. That's you know Ozzy did it. Robert Mason. That's how he got his start in the music industry. He was doing Ozzy's backup vocals, yeah. um, Back in the '90s. But no, I mean it's. But it's like if we're gonna go full on with lead vocals on a track, I'm sorry, that's a step too far. I can't. I can't do it. I can't support that.
3: I mean, should a band be forced to reveal? a percentage a percentage of tonight's show will be yes. you know lip synced and that percentage is 89% 54% 22% you know whatever
2: I think that I think there should be and like Gene Simmons even made that fucking argument like 3 years ago before Paul started miming saying well, it should yeah, say on the ticket Yeah, I know, but it's like you know you're gonna make that argument, and now you're just going right along with it. Oh, and listen to the to the scream at the end of Deuce. It's the same every night. So even Gene's fucking doing it too. Um, Seriously, but like this is going on for too much. But I think yeah, there should be a disclaimer. But at the same time, the vast majority of people that go to these shows don't give a shit. They're brain dead nostalgia lovers. That's it. Yeah, and to me, I don't like those people. (laughs)
3: It's a tough thing, man. It's it's really it's up to the individual, I guess, but you do make a huge point where it's not helping anything. It's only prolonging the inevitable, and when the inevitable happens, what's left? What have you built to take its place? Talk about Chris Jericho. It's a lot like wrestling. You got the stars. You got the Hulk Hogan's, the Undertaker's, Triple H's, guys like that. Chris Jericho's eventually... Or if they haven't already, these guys all retire. You know, it gets to that point. So it's up to WWE or AEW or whichever to create new wrestlers to take the place of the guys that are retiring. Because as awesome as Ric Flair is, as awesome as Hulk Hogan is, those guys can't do it forever. They have to retire eventually. And so if you have never spent any time creating new characters for people to care about, your wrestling is dead. Once the older generation is finished, you're done for. It's kind of the same idea with rock and roll. Once Def Leppard and Motley Crue and Kiss and Bon Jovi and all these bands we've talked about, once they're gone, once ACDC's gone, once Metallica's gone, what's left? What have we built up to keep it alive, to keep it going? We need to start building again, building these bands up. There's plenty of good ones out there.
2: Oh, yeah. And I mean, there are some that are doing well and succeeding. So it's not that bleak, but it's just like the majority of there's so many. The majority of society are just they're just sheep. I'm sorry to say this, but it's like the whole argument with classic rock radio. You know, we our friend Lonnie, who, you know, used to work at The Rock, we'd go up there and and we'd make, you know, he did that show Metalworks and would play the deep tracks that we all loved. And we're like, God, why the fuck can't radio just be like this all the time? And he would always tell us, well, we do surveys and we check and most people want to hear the same fucking 50 songs over yeah. and over again. And it's just like, as a person who loves music, I just, I can't understand that. I can't wrap my head around it.
3: We're like when we were kids, if we went and seen a band and found out that they were lip syncing, we'd be
2: pissed. Oh yeah. Real
3: pissed. Imagine going to a Motley Crue show in the eighties and finding out that Vince Neal lip synced or that you know mick mars guitar or he was just miming it or something like that you'd be fucking
2: irate well and it'd be a scandal in the in the the news yeah,
3: yeah big time but it's funny because you watch that bon jovi thing and that's how it was it started out and i was like oh man he's not sounding so great but then the fans you know it pans around the the the, the arena and it's filled all the way up. And I go, what the hell? And I go, wow, Bon Jovi's still popular. And he's still croak, He's still croaking. And the fans are singing along. And they're chanting. And they're cheering. And I'm just like, what the hell? You know, they shouldn't be cheering this.
2: Yeah. I, there's times I'm like, am I taking crazy pills? Or am I living in a weird matrix or something where only I can see how bad this is?
3: See, and I think that's the perfect point. <laughs> like you said, when we were kids... If that would have happened and you people found out about it, there'd be outrage.
2: But yeah, everything gets a pass now. That's the fucked up thing. It's just so you can get your selfie or just do your Facebook check in going, I'm at the Bon Jovi show. Well, fuck you. Sorry. I'm, I'm really getting pissed off thinking more about it. Let's talk about It'd be
3: interesting else. to talk to some Bon Jovi fans and see how they feel about it. But then in that same breath, you can talk to Docking fans, you can talk to Kiss fans, you can talk to fans of many many number of bands that are on the verge of retirement, forced retirement.
2: But that's all the interesting that Tom Kiefer uh kind of talked finally touched on in an interview about Jeff LeBar's death. Um just I think it's the first time he's publicly addressed it. And uh he was, he <clears throat> Eddie Trunk had him on um recently. And, you know, he just, you know, nothing earth shattering, but, you know, it was interesting to hear what he had to say. He said, I've got to tell you, you're never really ready for that kind of loss. You're not prepared to hear that kind of thing. And everyone's trying to grieve and process it. Um, Jeff was a passionate, amazing person, musician, human. He had a huge heart and was a tough one, still is for everybody. And he says that they had a good relationship throughout their career. He says, obviously, there's times where you have differences. That's part of being in a band. It's true what people say; they're like a family. But honestly, it's like that, and even more intense because there's so many facets that inform the dynamics between bands. He says they had a great relationship. He loved him and uh, has great memories. Uh, had you know, Jeff had a great sense of humor. Um, you know, and he says he's in touch with Eric and Fred and everybody, and they're all still trying to process it. But uh, I, you know. This is a sad situation because, you know, he uh, Jeff went on Izzy Presley's show years ago and basically pointed the finger at himself because everybody's like, why is Cinderella not getting back together? And essentially, I guess that the last shows they did were on the Monsters of Rock cruise in like 2015, I think. And apparently he got he like made a scene. He was so drunk, like passed out in front of people and stuff. And he was saying in that interview with Izzy, he's like, I I think it's all my fault. I have a drinking problem and you know, and uh, that caused a riff rift. And uh he says, you know and Tom Tom was like, What the fuck? and he's like, I don't blame Tom for not talking to me. So I think Tom had kind of cut cut them off at one point. Um hopefully they've the the three remaining guys have been able to kind of put it back together as far as just on the friendship. I don't care if Cinderella plays again, but hopefully they all get along now.
3: No, I was going to um, say it is kind of nice at least to hear that, that, you know, the yeah. other three guys still talk to each other.
2: Yeah. But, like, I don't know, man. It's uh, And, like, it's still not really been confirmed what, what it was that Jeff died from.
3: No, I had somebody was asking me about that, like, when it first happened, like, what happened, what happened? And I'm like – i have no idea i mean i think they assume that because we're in nashville that that's you know you get all the first-hand news about stuff like that which jeff was here in nashville too you know and we'd run into him from time to time but super nice guy i yeah have no idea what actually happened i don't think it's ever really come out huge loss whatever it was yeah huge loss all the way around
2: I heard we one of the first things that Aaron and I ever did was go to John Carabi's Toys for Tots thing in East Nashville at a, a biker bar called Drifters. Yeah. I don't even think Drifters is there anymore. I don't think so. Um, and uh, Jeff sauntered in, and uh, Jeff was walking with a cane. I remember yep. that. Like he had had hip surgery or something and uh, had grown his beard out, and I think one of us was like, Hey, Jeff, when's Cinderella getting back together? He's like, You're asking the wrong guy. <laughs> <laughs> but he he was really nice though. Um, yeah. Well, time yeah, hanging
3: yeah. out with him out front of the, uh, Zany's comedy club.
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: Rock and pod. He was laughing, had us all laughing. Ian was out there cracking him up. It was fun. Yeah.
2: Yeah. He was, he loved to talk to fans and he was just, just a regular guy, you yeah. know, um, and from what I, yeah, it, it was great cook. talking to him. Yeah. I mean, he, yeah, he got into that. He wound up being a, he was a cook at uh claim jumper at Opry yeah. mills. And then, uh, was doing like videos and stuff but seemed like he'd kind of you know reinvented himself at that time you know it's just sad that he's gone i tried getting him for rock and pod every year i never could though you know but um yeah gonna be missed but i'm glad to hear tom address it you know finally publicly because a lot of people like what's going on with with their relationship so i thought that was kind of worth talking about
3: yeah that's definitely the stuff we love you know it's good to hear them guys talking again have you heard? I got one for you before, because I actually got a new story that I was wondering about if you knew anything about it. Sure. The uh, London Choir Boys. Have you heard about that?
2: <laughs> yeah, I thought about putting that in here. I wasn't sure if you would know if you heard about it or not. Yeah,
3: it's uh, so. The lead singer is Spike. He's been the lead singer since day one. He's the most focal point of the band all these years. And the guys, the rest of the band are all newer, you know, like some of them have been around for a while, but they're not the original guys anymore. And uh, they decided they were going to kick him out of the band, <laughs> which is kind of funny. That'd be like uh, that'd be like Bon Jovi getting kicked out of Bon Jovi.
2: Or Vinnie Vincent getting kicked out of the Vinnie Vincent invasion. Oh, yeah. oh, wait, that actually so, Yeah, happened.
3: it does happen sometimes. <laughs> I guess only when it's justified. And in this case, from what I was reading about it, I mean, it kind of sounds like it's justified. I don't know how you kick out, you know, the main guy. You don't, you don't kick Mark Torrine out of the Bullet Boys, you know. He kind of is the Bullet Boys, and that's kind of Spike is the Choir Boys. Good comparison. But, yeah, they did it. They kicked him out of his own band. And so he's come back and said, but it's my band. You know, I'll just start a new Choir Boys because I'm the guy. But they said he was doing a lot of shady stuff, like uh, they'd have a tour lined up, and he'd book solo dates, and they'd go, "Wait a minute, you can't have a solo date. That's the same night we're playing in this town." And he'd be like, "Right, oh, well,
2: yeah." I I read the back and forth, and like they're you know, and then he's coming back and saying everything they're saying is bullshit, and I I don't know, man. I mean, the the choir boys, I like them. I loved them back in the day, but. I don't know, man. I mean, this guy must be really hard to deal with if they're willing to fire him, and he's like the one identifiable member of the band. So, but I mean, I, there's no future in that for them. I mean, they've already had shows get canceled because the venues are like, wait a minute, you can't, We're not going to have you play without him. Some,
3: the guitar player is going to sing. I don't know about that.
2: Sounds like a show I tried to book for Rock and Pop a couple of years ago. But that's a that's a oh, Patreon God. story. But <laughs>
1: anyway.
2: Um, yeah, the, the singer's not going to be there, but it'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, no, it won't. Uh, but, y- yeah, I don't know. It's Their appeal, as they said in Spinal Tap, was selective to start with. So
3: They're pretty big in I England.
1: I,
2: yeah, but I'm like, they're not going to be doing any U.S. dates. But maybe, I don't know, maybe this was a big deal for the European dates. I don't know. I have to think Spike's going to make out way better in the long run yeah, than Yeah, I would are.
3: think so. I mean, I remember they did a tour in the States and rock and Ron went and seen them in Denver and he loved yeah.
2: them. Yeah. But I heard they didn't draw squat yeah. when they played here. Yeah. I don't know. They're just one of those bands that I'd love to see them, but like that there's definitely no more. I mean like ugly kid Joe would play America and do better than the choir boys. Would.
3: <laughs> that's funny. That's my, uh, that's my next news story. As a matter of fact, yeah. Ugly kid Joe. Now it's his tour dates all over europe
2: of course why
3: i don't understand <laughs> i don't understand for the longest time i thought it was because donald trump was the president but now he's not this
2: goes back but well now, he's before not that the president
3: anymore <laughs> i know this has gone on for so long that you start to wonder <laughs> things like that I'd be like oh do they not play here because they hate president trump Okay, well, a lot of people hate that guy. Maybe that's what it is. But then he's gone, you know, and then we got a new president and everything. We're like, okay, cool. You know, if that's what it was, now they can come play the States. No, it must not have been that at all. I don't know what it is.
2: Somebody should do a parody story. (laughs) Ugly Kid Joe announces new Fuck America tour (laughs) in Europe.
3: Turns out America (laughs) is the least wanted.
2: Yeah, apparently so. I
3: hate it. I love it for the people of Europe. Congratulations uh, to the fine folks over in Europe. But, you know, I mean, come on. It's the United States. We ain't got no wars going on here. Nothing. Come play in the States, Ugly Kid Joe, please.
2: Yeah, I don't, like I've mentioned before, there has to be a demand for it by this point. It's been so long. You know, I I'm i sorry, but if, uh, if choir boys are doing U.S. dates, then surely Ugly Kid Joe can do something.
3: Yeah, the choir boys are doing it. They don't even have a lead singer.
2: And they never actually had a real hit in America, so Ugly Kid Joe at least had two.
3: Yeah. (laughs) I just don't understand it. I wish I could know what the real answer was, that I could go about trying to change things and fix things. I would have a cause in my life. You'd see me out in the street with signs like, whatever the reason is, Ugly Kid Joe won't play the United States. I'd be out there rallying against whatever it is. <laughs> but they won't even tell us they won't even tell us they'd be different if they would at least tell us you know like you guys you you loved us when we first came out you loved everything about you you loved the cover of cats in the cradles and then you shit on us and just forgot about us so you know what fuck you america we're not coming back i could accept that i'd be like you know what you're right you know most people did do that but not me I can't fly to France to see Ugly Kid Joe.
2: No, you could have gone to Virginia Beach last year. And I couldn't seen even
3: him. go to Virginia Beach to see him open for Judas Priest.
2: Did Mike end up going to that show?
3: He, damn right he did, and that's why Metal Mike is Ugly Kid Joe fan number one.
2: Yeah. Well, maybe I'll just have to look into what it would take to bring him to Rockin' Pod.
3: That would be awesome.
2: <laughs> You'd lose your shit if I booked them.
3: <laughs> They'd be like, is this... Uh, Nashville, Pakistan? They were like, uh, no, it's Nashville, Tennessee, USA. Oh, no, we can't do that. Yeah, it's America, so fuck we're you. We booked in Ukraine that weekend.
2: <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. Jeez,
3: I don't get it.
2: I don't either. Well, you got any other That's stories?
3: That's the end of my sad news.
2: Okay. Well, we're well over an hour, so I think we're good with, the, with the, those. Other than the, the story about... Uh, Michael Schenker saying that KK uh, Downing uh, ripped off his look in the 70s.
3: <laughs> he totally caught my style.
2: Yeah, it's like, okay.
3: He had <laughs> blonde hair. It was long. Wore leather. Yeah.
2: Played a flying V. Just G. like me.
3: I And a flying yeah. V, a white one, yeah. You know what?
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe he did.
3: <laughs> Who knows? But that's why this is the most important news show you could ever possibly listen to. And we always have fun when we're doing new noise. We're going to try to do more of these. Maybe give you some extra new noise episodes in between other episodes of Decibel Geek Podcast. I don't know. We're just trying to think up new ways to give you guys more because you guys have given us so much over the years. We want to give it back. So I guess that's going to wrap up new noise for this week. And thank you guys once again for joining us right here on the Decibel Geek Podcast and we'll see you next week.
2: See ya.
1: Visit the Bedfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Long Shots Off-Track Betting. Go to bedfredsports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.
0: What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem?
2: What's the problem?
0: Would you lie? Would you cheat?
2: Were they shot? Were they
0: shot? Would you kill? Yes. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, the Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th.